You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We begin tonight with new details about the man arrested and charged in connection with a double homicide in Vancouver's Marpole neighborhood. That's right. 25-year-old Rocky Rambo Waynam Cam has been charged with two counts of second-degree murder. Ramina Dea joins us now with more on this, including some scary moments you had checking out where the suspect lived. It got violent today, Chris. We'll get to that in a moment. But first, it's been since September that terrified residents in this neighborhood have been wondering why. And today, Vancouver's police chief could not answer that question. We haven't found clear links between the accused and the two victims. Can you tell us anything regarding a potential motive in this case? No, unfortunately, I can't. No motive as to why Angela Ma Jones, 65, and her husband Richard, 68, were killed. The couple found dead in their Marpole home September 27. Sources tell Global News a hatchet was found on the front lawn. The bodies hacked up. Well, just kind of what was the connection? Um, I mean, they were really nice, lovely couples. The murder suspect, 25-year-old Rocky Rambo Wienam Kam, had only been in Vancouver for four months. He's originally from Hong Kong. His family moved to Calgary when he was a teenager. Cam was arrested Monday at this house, which is just a two-minute drive from the victim's home. Can you tell us anything about Rocky yeah, Rambo? Yeah, he was a nice guy, and I guess he was fucked up, but get off my property. The man who answered the door at the suspect's house asked us to leave. We were in the process of doing so when things got violent. We're leaving. Hey, don't do don't. anything. Hey, 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 hey. hey. We're leaving. Just let go. Oh, I'm terrified. <laughs> yeah. This resident says police were on the suspect's street looking for evidence just days after the double murder. They're asking for CCTV footage and then see if there's any suspicious activity. The community relieved there's been an arrest, but still in the dark as to whether the attack was random or targeted. So strange, too. We don't know a lot about Cam. Are police saying anything about his past mm -hmm. history, Romina? You know, it's interesting, Chris. He does not have a criminal record in B.C. or in any other province in this country, as far as police know. They're also saying that there doesn't appear to be any mental health issues. He's back in court on November 14th. Chris. All right. Thanks, Romina. A steady stream of mourners in Abbotsford laying flowers and paying tribute to Constable John Davidson, killed in the line of duty on Monday. Jeff Hastings has more on how the community is coming together and what we're learning about the man who is now charged in Constable Davidson's murder. Days after his death, there's still a steady stream of people paying their respects to fallen Abbotsford Police Constable John Davidson. I know my son knew him from Moet. He was a liaison officer there. He can remember him coming to the school and, um, you know, they talk with him and everything. And he said he was just a wonderful man. Some can't really explain exactly why they came down. They just feel a powerful need to be here to express their grief and to show their support. You know, the black and white car goes by. Do you really think that, uh, yes, there's somebody who is every day putting their life on the line for the citizens that they're serving? And uh, I think that's one of the things that this has really drawn home to me. Police officers from other cities mixed with members of the public and elected officials. People are coming here because John was a beloved police officer. Uh, he always had a smile on his face, uh, and I, I, I see that wasn't just 
when I was there, he, that's the way he was. And uh, he's going to be really missed by this community. A far cry from the chaos on the other side of the city Monday. Oscar Ferdinand Arfman has been charged with first-degree murder accused of shooting Constable Davidson, who was responding to a stolen vehicle complaint. And so we seen that on the TV. I thought, wow, he really was serious when he said he didn't care about the cops. And he did have a trunk full of guns then. People who knew Arfman in Ashmont, Alberta, describe a mean drunk, a man with deteriorating mental health, who went down a dark path following the 2013 death of his wife. We'd be coming in the house, we'd be watching TV after supper, and he'd be watching TV and he'd be talking to himself. He'd be talking to his hands, he'd look in the mirror and he's thinking of his demons and talking about weird things. And he'd snap out of it and he'd apologize. He'd say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know, I, I do that sometimes. Arfman remains in hospital and conscious with a November 28th first court appearance on the horizon. All right, we've been here since this morning, and it's really been the same story. Person after person coming to pay their respects to Constable Davidson. A family just walked up earlier. There were several members of the RCMP from the Upper Fraser Valley Detachment and Red Surge. There were firefighters here helping put up posters. Just a lot of people coming from a long way away to help out the family and the colleagues of Constable Davidson just to show their own support. As for a memorial, uh, there's no firm time or place for that yet, but a memorial for Constable Davidson is certainly in the works and it's anticipated to be a very large event so stay tuned for that back to you i would think yeah thanks for that jeff and the pain and loss is all too familiar for brad ashenbenner he's the husband of constable sarah beckett who lost her life in the line of duty last year for his wife for his kids to receive that phone call the door knock whatever it is it, it i i know it it hurts i feel for you Ashenbetter spoke exclusively to our Nitu Garcha, and we'll have more on that interview, including how the tragic death of Constable John Davidson affected him and what he says about the path to healing later on the news hour. The search of a farm where human remains have been found has been scaled back. RCMP removing some of the heavy equipment and shelters on the property near Salmon Arm today. But stress, the investigation and search is ongoing. Now, there's no set timeline with respect to when we anticipate uh, completing uh, our, our search effort. Uh, but uh, regardless, if there's been some visible changes in, in the equipment and resources that are being used on site, uh, the site uh, is still manned and we are still continuing our, our investigative efforts and search on the property. Last week, police confirmed the remains found on the farm belonged to 18-year-old Tracy Jenneru of Vernon. She was reported missing back in June. 36-year-old Curtis Sagmon, who lives on the property, is still in police custody in connection with an armed assault of a sex trade worker in August near the farm. Delta police are appealing for witnesses and cell phone video tonight after a teenager was robbed and stabbed outside the Sun God Rec Center. It happened last night during a busy time of the evening. Grace Key explains why the level of violence is particularly concerning. An 18-year-old man is recovering in hospital from a stab wound after two men in balaclavas attacked him outside a Delta Recreation Center, taking off with his iPod and other items. He didn't put up a fight, but they still stabbed him in the stomach. He was compliant, and uh, as far as when that all happened in the stabbing, um, I don't know, but my understanding is he was compliant in handing over his property and other items. 
It happened at about 8.30 Tuesday night at the northwest end of the Sun God Recreation Center. The victim made his way to the rec center for help, and as a precaution, the building was under lockdown. People who use the facilities are surprised, saying it's a busy spot. I'm here pretty much every day. I live two blocks away, and generally it's like pretty safe and stuff, and I don't mind like walking by myself. It's really busy. There's... Um no parking usually around that time, yeah. I've never ever even thought of anything like that happening in the area here, so yeah, safe-wise, absolutely. The suspects ran off through the parking lot toward Larson Road, possibly in their late teens, early 20s. They wore dark clothing and balaclavas. I know that we have had various incidents uh, involving robberies of cell phones in the last six months. I would say we've had uh, a handful of incidents, nothing to this degree, and uh, certainly not in any one particular area. Police are canvassing the area for surveillance video and asking for witnesses who may have seen anything suspicious to come forward. The victim is recovering in hospital. He's in stable condition and expected to make a full recovery. Grace Key, Global News. Some breaking news for you now. In Burnaby, picked up by the Global One chopper, there's been a derailment near the Second Narrows Bridge. It's believed the train may belong to Viterra, which is a Canadian grain handling business. Interestingly enough, there was another derailment in almost the same spot earlier this summer. That's all we know about it right now. If we get any more details, we'll pass them along. The provincial government is following through on a promise to freeze hydro rates as it undertakes a review of the utility company. Keith Baldry joins us now with more on this. Keith, it takes effect in April, and while mm -hmm. it may sound good to homeowners, there is a lot more to consider. Yeah, especially anytime you talk about BC Hydro, Sophie, there is a lot to consider. Uh, so, yeah, this, this freeze takes effect April 1st. There had been a planned 3% lift in your hydro rates uh, under the current government. The NDP, those you mentioned, campaigned on affordability and freezing things like hydro rates. So it's going to take effect April 1st. But the BC Liberals are quick to point out today that there's something called the Site C Dam. And if the NDP uh, ends up killing the dam by uh, their own admission, there will be a 10% rate hike associated with absorbing the costs already spent on the Site C Dam and the cleanup costs. So Michelle Mungo, though, the NDP uh, Energy Minister, very, I think, uh, happy to announce that freeze today. But uh, here's a woman also you're going to be hearing a lot from, I think, in the future, and that's uh, BC Liberal rookie MLA and finance critic Tracy Reddy's making the point about Site C. We've actually tied the rate uh, freeze to a one-year review of BC Hydro. We know that there's savings to be had there, and we need to be taking into account the uh, deferral accounts that already exist. If they terminate Site C, they'll write off $4 billion and, and uh, Hydro will have to increase rates almost immediately by 10%. So we'll see how Site C plays out. If you're wondering how much that freeze is going to save you, it works out to about, uh, if that 3% had gone ahead, about three and a quarter dollars, $3.25 a month. So about $40 in savings once the freeze takes effect. All right. Thanks very much, Keith. Right. Ever thought about who's watching you while you work? After a particularly grisly example of workplace misbehavior, one employer gets their wrist slapped for trying to keep an eye on its employees. What it did that's against the rules in just over a minute. What the? Video clues that might help explain what happened on Roy Halliday's fatal flight later on the news hour. Also tonight, Hollywood heavyweights love to visit Vancouver, but A-lister Angelina Jolie is apparently coming for a very specific purpose. Details coming up a little later. 
But first, a new ruling from B.C.'s Privacy Commissioner serves as a warning for businesses using surveillance on employees. In a decision sparked by a headline-making case of animal abuse in the Fraser Valley, the commission has ruled a chicken company was wrong to use video and audio to monitor its workers. John Waugh explains why. The idea was to fight video with more video. After damning footage of cruelty at a chicken plant was released to the public, elite services in Chilliwack forcing employees to wear body cameras. It's very rare that it would be acceptable for an employee to be subject to continuous video and audio surveillance. BC's acting privacy commissioner ordering a stop to the surveillance, saying what should have been a last resort for elite services was more of an image quick fix. Before you even consider implementing surveillance of this nature, you need to have attempted other less privacy-invasive means. And with the culprits in the original video already fired, the concern is current employees were being scrutinized for someone else's mistakes. Also, outside customers and contractors caught on the body cams had their privacy breached. And according to the acting privacy commissioner, the quality of elite services surveillance footage wasn't even that good, stating that first, body cameras are extremely shaky. Second, the footage is in low light. And third, the audio is bad. Most of what could be heard is just chicken squawking. So even the logistics posed impossible in this case. Critics say the body cams were never about stopping bad behavior, but saving face. It's still a matter of the fox guarding the hen house. The industry is simply incapable of overseeing themselves. No one from Elite Services would go on camera, a requested statement not received by deadline. Mercy for Animals asking the Privacy Commissioner to allow for live stream camera surveillance. We're certainly calling on, on Commissioner MacArthur to re-examine what he has recommended. Hoping to widen the exposure of cruelty instead of pulling the plug in the name of privacy. John Hua, Global News. Crews tackled two overnight fires in Chilliwack, including one that sent a woman to hospital with life-threatening injuries. That one happened just outside the Cross Connection Church at William Street and Princess Avenue. The woman's tent and belongings were destroyed. She was taken to hospital with serious burns. The incident, yet another example of the danger for homeless populations during the cold, wintry weather. A program that gives special street-proof backpacks to the homeless in Metro Vancouver has proven to be so popular that it's being expanded into new communities this year. Pack it good. Keep it rolling, right? 750 backpacks will be handed out by the Union Gospel Mission and Wolf Auto Group over the coming weeks. They're going to the downtown east side, New Westminster and Surrey, and for the first time in Langley and Abbotsford. The custom-built backpacks are specifically designed for life on the street with a built-in rain poncho, compression straps for bedding, reflective straps and anti-theft loops. Demand has been through the roof. Um, we had people um, asking about these all year. We keep, there's more than 4,000 people homeless across Metro Vancouver. Um, we're unable to give 4,000 bags, but these ones are being targeted to the people hopefully who need them most. A major shakeup in loyalty rewards cards. It does look good for consumers. The merger that could help you get more for your money. And scammed by thieves who are almost impossible to track. What to watch for next? 
Fraudsters are now preying on the elderly and new Canadians with a scam so elaborate it sometimes involves real police officers coming to your door. Our consumer reporter Andrew joins us now with what you need to know about this one. Mm -hmm. And it's very troubling. Thanks, Sophie. Surrey RCMP are warning the public, especially the Indo-Canadian community. It all starts with a call center overseas spoofing a local phone number to make it look like you're getting a call from police or Revenue Canada. Here's how a Surrey woman was scammed recently. She received a call that appeared to be from her husband's cell phone. The caller identified himself as a police officer, telling the victim her husband had been arrested and money was needed to bail him out. The scammer then told her to electronically deposit $4,800 in Bitcoin, which is hard to track, into an anonymous account. Well, she fell for it, and police say others are too because they're from countries where they believe they'll be arrested if they don't follow orders, something the scammers are well aware of. And they've even gone to the extent of saying that we're going to send the police and they'll call the local police agency and ask us to do a check the well-being on a particular person. So we end up showing up outside the home, knocking on the door, and the, the person being defrauded is afraid to come to the door and they see that the police are there and it lends credence to the fraudster's story. Now, it's unclear how many people have been targeted since the victims are often too embarrassed to report it. In one case, up to $25,000 was handed over to fraudsters who often demand payment via Bitcoin, gift cards, or money transfers. Neither police nor Revenue Canada ask for money in those forms over the phone. One way to protect yourself is to call the agency back at a publicly known number to check the information they're giving you. Police also suggest just hanging up and ignoring the call. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can always email me at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. All right. Good advice. Thank you, Ann. And the other big story in Consumer Matters, a huge Canadian retail merger in the news tonight that will affect hundreds of thousands of consumers. Not a merger of retailers, but of two huge loyalty programs. Global's Shauna Hoshe has the details. Canadians love their loyalty rewards. They're that little extra payback for shopping at the same place frequently. Uh, at first look, it looks it does look good for consumers. Now two big programs are being merged into one, Shoppers Optimum and PC Plus. 11 million members in Shoppers Optimum, 8 in PC Plus. It's a big proportion of the Canadian uh, market, so it just grows that. Loblaw owns its chains of grocery stores and shoppers. So beginning next year, the two programs come into one to be known as PC Optimum. One card, one app, nearly 2,500 stores. Uh, more options to earn points, more options to redeem points. The move is one that will see consumers get more choices about where to spend the money they earn. Now you can shop at Shoppers Drug Mart, you can shop at any of our grocery stores. You have access to Joe Fresh, you have access to our websites, our top Canadian brands, all with one program. So it may actually increase their bottom line. Consumers we talk to aren't complaining. It's all the same. Collect points, get some free stuff. But I, I only tend to shop for stuff I need anyways, and the points are just a bonus. Loblaw says shoppers wanted more simplicity, more places to shop, something that will come easier next February. Sean O'Shea, Global News, Toronto. Dangerous maneuvers. <laughs> the clues caught on camera just before Roy Halliday's plane crashed. And getting over grief sometimes means sharing it. An exclusive interview with Sarah Beckett's husband 
and why he's speaking out now. What the? video obtained by TMZ and shot by boaters off the coast of Florida shows a plane flying dangerously just moments before former Toronto Blue Jays pitcher Roy Halladay died in a crash. The boaters say the plane repeatedly dove towards the water before quickly pulling back up. The video doesn't show the actual crash, but it shows the boaters racing to the site to find the wreckage of the plane in shallow water. As we mentioned earlier tonight, if anyone knows what the community of Abbotsford is going through following the death of Constable John Davidson, it's Brad Ashenbrenner. In April of last year, his wife, Constable Sarah Beckett, was killed in the line of duty. He spoke exclusively with Global's Nitu Garcha about his daily struggle since then and his advice for Constable Davidson's family. My heart goes out to him, my thoughts and prayers. From the husband of the last BC police officer killed in the line of duty to the family of the latest, a message of solidarity. For his wife, for his kids who received that phone call, the door knock, whatever it is, it, it, I, I know it, it hurts. I feel for you. Brad Ashenbrenner's wife, West Shore RCMP Constable Sarah Beckett, was killed last year. A drunk driver ran a red light and slammed his truck into her police cruiser. Kenneth Fenton pleaded guilty to dangerous driving causing death and impaired driving causing death. He was sentenced to just four years behind bars in what the judge called the first case in B.C. where the victim of impaired driving causing death is a police officer. When Ashenbrenner heard about Monday's shooting death of Abbotsford Police Constable John Davidson, it brought back terrible memories. I had to sit down. I, it all went through my mind again. I'm just losing another officer. It's just horrible. The tragedy pushed the widower and father of two young children out of his silence and into his first TV interview. He says for him, accepting the overwhelming support was challenging at first. Now he can't even put into words how much it's helped. That's why he wanted to share this message to anyone impacted by the loss of an officer hailed a hero. It's going to be a strong community and a strong support system for you. Please, please accept it. The April 2016 crash that killed Sarah Beckett sent shockwaves throughout the whole community, which is still in healing. To hear about that tragedy just brings it all back, and it, it is very difficult. The one thing that caught us off guard was just how much the community uh, was sharing the loss with the, with the emergency services community. Langford's fire chief says every time his members get into a fire truck to answer a call, they pass by this special ribbon. We end up putting these stickers on our truck as a reminder for her and for her sacrifice. With a plaque placed outside its detachment in memory of Beckett, West Shore RCMP says it stands in solidarity with the Abbotsford Police Department as it too deals with the loss of one of its own. To everyone that was on shift that day, they're going to have to relive that. And I, I can't imagine what they're going to be going through. Just like the many who've stood with him and his family. I thank them very much for that. Ashenbrenner says now he wants to be a part of that support network, honoring another hero that's gone, but won't be forgotten. There's a long road to recovery for everybody. The police department, his family, his wife, his kids. Nitu Garcha, Global News, Langford. To Health News Now, and a new report that says Canada is lagging behind when it comes to research into the most deadly type of cancer. As Linda Aylesworth reports, one of the reasons lung cancer gets shortchanged could be because of the mistaken stigma that patients bring it on themselves. Yeah, we've got to figure out where to go to lunch. 
A year and a half ago, Philip Etches and his wife couldn't imagine that a simple pleasure like having lunch out would be possible, not after his diagnosis of stage four lung cancer. I went from thinking I was healthy to having a terminal disease in a space of about 10 days. He assumed he'd received the traditional treatment, chemotherapy, but he didn't because his cancer had a genetic variant that opened the door to a promising new therapy. That means that it's susceptible to this new class of drugs. So she put me on uh, this drug called crizotinib. She is Philip's oncologist, Dr. Cheryl Ho. I think he noticed an improvement very quickly when we first started uh, drug, and that led him to be able to do all the things that he wanted to do. Like go to Italy to celebrate his 40th wedding anniversary. But a few months later, the tumor became resistant. Philip was in palliative care when Dr. Ho offered another option, electinib, which isn't funded in Canada. I'm getting my drug courtesy of a, um, a compassionate release program from Roche, the drug manufacturer. In this, Philip is lucky. Lack of timely access to the latest lung cancer therapies is one of the key topics at this year's Lung Cancer Canada meeting in Vancouver. The FDA in the United States releases new drugs much faster because they approve based purely on efficacy. In Canada, we also consider a drug's cost. And so timelines for approving therapies efficacy and then deciding about funding just introduce delays. Another problem, stigma. The belief that all lung cancer patients are smokers, which is not true, Philip never smoked, and that their disease is therefore less worthy of funding. Lung cancer gets only 5% of cancer research funding in Canada. Despite being the most commonly diagnosed cancer in Canada, and despite being the leading cause of cancer death in this country. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Public schools across B.C. are trying to keep up with special education needs like dyslexia. But funding cuts and a lack of teachers are making it particularly challenging. In the final installment of our focus on dyslexia, Jennifer Palma visits the North Vancouver School District, where administrators are trying to help. Suffix E-D. A lack of special education funding has made it tough for public schools to teach kids living with dyslexia. Digging. In North Vancouver, they're trying to tackle learning disabilities, 42 grade three kids at a time. Plate. Students from all over the district are selected for the intense three-month literacy center program at Montroyal or Sherwood schools. When their time is up, they return to their home school. We want them to be able to think about their thinking and uh, to be able to uh, uh, express what's difficult and then be able to choose strategies that are going to help them. In North Vancouver, they're assessing kids in kindergarten. Other districts don't until grade three. With early detection, the kids get focused learning strategies. We believed that if you just simply surrounded kids with good books and good literature, that they would learn to read by osmosis. We know that that's not true. Um, that all kids, all kids need good instruction to learn how to read. In North Vancouver, Dr. Linda Siegel followed a group of 1,000 students from kindergarten to grade 7. 20% were identified as needing extra help. By the end of grade 7, only 1.5% needed further instruction. The key is to flag these kids, many of whom are well-behaved and overlooked. They easily fall through the cracks. That's all done. 75 to 95% of the people in prison have some sort of a learning disability. It's a number not lost on Greg Epp. He lives with dyslexia. He finally got the help he needed when his parents placed him in a specialized school, James Cameron. He's now an entrepreneur. 
I know for sure without James Cameron that I would not be here where I am today. I mean, in jail, uh, who knows where I would have ended up. In the United States, more than 40 states have developed dyslexia laws to ensure students get timely help and teachers the proper training, something Canada and B.C. needs to catch up on. If they were addressing these reading issues at school early, um, parents wouldn't be running around trying to find tutoring in grade one like we did. You know, there have been long-standing complaints, um, especially around diagnosis and then in some cases resources. So those are questions that our government hopes to answer and to solve. But Greg can't believe public education hasn't kept up. He started his own website, gregep.com, to bring awareness and show the world those with dyslexia are smart, creative, born leaders. These problems are still here. It, nothing has changed. So here I close my eyes to it and I come back and I realized maybe, maybe I can make a difference here and I can start. Somebody has to do this. We have to get the word out. Jennifer Palma, Global News. And for more information on our three-part series, go to our website, globalnews.ca. Well, the highest honor for a young B.C. cadet. Squadron at 10! Jen! In preparations for Remembrance Day, why one stands above the rest. Later. But first, a robbery with a strange twist as bold burglars knock off a donut shop. An armed robbery in a donut shop of all places. How one thief surprised terrified customers right after the weather forecast. Well, refrain from the jokes. Yes. Yes. Okay. Few Practically there. right themselves, but we're not doing it. <laughs> all right. Let's check in with meteorologist Christy Gordon for a look at our weather forecast. And it's a lot of bright green behind you. Yes, that's, uh, that's for sure. So we had Arctic air in place for a good uh, five, six days across the region. That has definitely pushed out the milder air pushing in along with the rain. That's always the case here across the south coast. So heavier rain expected across Vancouver Island. As it makes its way towards the lower mainland, it's a little bit less. It picks up speed or uh, intensity a little bit over the North Shore Mountains and then towards Squamish and Whistler. Uh, we are going to see waves of rain over the next couple of days. This low pressure center is not going anywhere. So it's just going to continue to funnel the moisture up into our region. The majority of the rainfall will be overnight tonight. It'll come in waves, though, but overnight tonight and through the day tomorrow. Conditions will be a little bit lighter on Friday and on Saturday, but again, still unsettled. But who will see snow? That's the big question. We still have the possibility of snow in a couple of areas. So here's an idea of overnight tonight, a mix of rain and snow right over the Squamish area and then up towards Whistler. So if you're driving up that way, we are expecting snow on Highway 99. And then also, hope east. So even right in Hope, we could see some wet snow overnight tonight and through part of the day tomorrow as well. So if you're driving that way and east towards uh, Merritt, even towards uh, even Highway 3, we will it could see snow. Lower elevations in through the southern interior also expecting snow. So that's the southern interior, a good two centimeters possible overnight tonight. So nice blanket of wet or white snow across those regions. Okay, so northern regions dry and still very cold. Wind chills down to minus 27 in through the northern parts of the province and across the south 
with snow overnight. The bulk of the snowfall will be in the West Kootenai region, 5 to 10 centimeters in areas like Nelson and Castlegar, whereas most other areas, 2 to 5, that would be about it. South Coast, we're talking about rain, but again, we said uh, north of Squamish, we're expecting snow and east of Hope. So Friday looks a little bit lighter. Friday night, another wave of rain. Saturday morning at this point looks fairly light for the uh, Remembrance Day ceremonies, but keep in mind, we're still a couple of days away, so tune back in because, of course, that can change. Frida Eisenman celebrating 106 years tonight. Congratulations to you and two anniversaries, Jerry and Anne and Ruth and Peter, both celebrating 70 years together in tonight's weather window. This is Woody. Apparently, Ida Fraser feeds her, uh, I don't know if it's a girl or a boy, actually, but feeds him or her possibly every day. And he uh, hangs out there by the window looking for peanuts. Sure, Woody's busy. very grateful He's- to Ida. Yeah, they're busy this time of year. No doubt. Woody's a cutie. Mm-hmm. All right, thank you, Christy. There was at least a little honor among thieves in Houston, Texas, when three armed men burst into a donut shop. Two of the suspects, one armed with a handgun, immediately jumped the counter and demanded the money from the cash registers. The customers were obviously scared, especially when a third robber took their cell phones. And maybe he felt badly about that because right afterward, he confiscated their phones or right after he confiscated their phones, rather, he offered them free donuts. He even brought them to their table <laughs> to serve them. How thoughtful. Isn't that nice? All three suspects did get away in the end, though. Amazing. Superstar actress and activist Angelina Jolie is expected to be in Vancouver next week, but not to shoot a movie. No, Jolie is scheduled to give a keynote address to a peacekeeping summit set to begin next Tuesday. She'll appear as a special envoy of the UN High Commissioner for Refugees and as a co-founder of the Preventing Sexual Violence Initiative. The two-day summit will include representatives from 80 countries. That's great. We'll have some good weather for her yeah. and the rest of us. Yeah, that would be nice. Squire's here now as well. Yes, I am. So the Canucks are five and one on the road. Wow. I know. Who knew? It's, it's weird. I told you. It's, no, it's like Stranger Things. It's the upside down world. <laughs> Everything is upside down. Uh, something happened, too, in last night's uh, win by the Canucks in Calgary that we haven't seen all season. Daniel Sedin, two on one with Hendrick. Daniel in towards the goal. Centers. Hendrick scores! A Henrik Sedin goal, and it helped move his brother closer to a milestone that Henrik has already achieved. Also tonight, a young cadet about to be rewarded for being the best in BC. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, look. Lunch money over here? What's going on? I grew overnight. Hold on. Back down okay, to that's normal real. level. Okay. <laughs> We're all the same Let's height. Let's keep here. it real here. Okay, so here we go. Um, while the Sedins on ice minutes tick downward, their overall point total slowly tick upwards. Last year, of course, Henrik Sedin reached 1,000 points, a fourth Swede to do that. And Daniel likely would have been around 1,000 at the same time had he not played 23 less games than Henrik because of injury. But before the end of this month, you should see Daniel have another look-alike milestone with his twin. They each have an Art Ross. Now, Daniel set up Henrik for his 1,000th point last January against Roberto Luongo. Last night, he set up Henrik again for his first goal of the season. That got Daniel to 994 points. The Canucks' next three games are on the road. Anaheim, San Jose, L.A. Six points in the good old days. 
That might have been possible for Daniel Sedin on a three-game road trip or the final three games of a road trip, but I think we'll have to wait until he gets back home, and hopefully when he's back home, he'll reach the milestone. And if you're wondering when it comes to Swedes in the NHL where he and Henrik sit, well, briefly, former Canuck Matt Sundin is the most points as, as a Swede in the NHL, Daniel Alfredson, Nick Lidstrom, then the Twins at fourth and fifth. Before tonight's Leafs-Minnesota game, a tribute to the uh, late Roy Halladay, who, of course, pitched 12 years with the Toronto Blue Jays. 1-1, second period. He's starting to get his game together now. Patrick Marlowe. Actually, he's been pretty good since he got there. Sixth of the year. The old guy amongst the kids, and the Leafs have a 3-1 lead. Now... Ben Scrivens and a lot of Canadians trying to impress the coaching staff of Team Canada make the Olympic team. This is a tournament in Finland and Switzerland, and that's former Vancouver Giant Gilbert Brouet with a goal. As Canada was taking on the Swiss, this is a six-team event. Cariola Cup. And look at this save by Jonas Hiller. Oh! And the guy he stopped, former Canuck Lyndon Vey. Oh, my God. Take a couple of looks at this. And they actually thought maybe his hand was behind the line when he made the save. Not conclusive. And this isn't the Olympics, and that's a great save, so give it to him. Canada still won the game. 3-2. In the last two Olympics, Canada's women's soccer team actually has won more medals than the Americans. We have two bronze. The Americans' only medal, though, was a gold in 2012. And, of course, they won the World Cup at BC Play Stadium in 2015, beating Japan. But during that World Cup in Canada, the Americans and the Canadians never got to play each other anywhere. But at BC Place in 24 hours, they will. Thursday, in front of another sold-out crowd at BC Place, they'll once again renew their rivalry against Canada, the side they haven't lost to in more than 15 years. There's a header and a goal! Whenever we play the U.S., it's, it's like Christmas, it's... I guess the team everyone wants to play. But typically in the past, it's been like a, a Rocky movie that, unfortunately, Rocky never wins. And that's where it seems like when we play the U.S., there are a hell of a battles, but there's never a, you know, a happy ending for, for Canada. There continues to be a changing of the guard for Canada. Christine Sinclair continues to lead the way, but the supporting cast around her is getting younger and younger with each passing year. Canada's roster for its friendly against the Americans will feature half a dozen teenagers, with the average age on the roster being 23. I think, obviously, with, with John as your leading your program, um, he's created a, a system where players are poised to develop, and the, the whole goal is to get them on the, the senior national team. You know, the last time we played the U.S. in Winnipeg, I put a, a back four out there with three players under the age of 18. Uh, you know how I roll. I'm not, I'm not frightened to give these young kids a shot. See if that winning shot will come off of an American or Canadian foot Thursday night at BC Place. Jay Janowar, Global Sports. Okay, so the chances are very good that the 2026 Men's World Cup will be awarded to the North American Troika of the U.S., Mexico, and Canada. The U.S. is going to get most of the games, 60 out of 80. Canada and Mexico will get 10 each. The USA will get all the knockout games and the final. Us and Mexico will get some preliminary round games, and it's more than likely that BC Place will host a few of these games. But the question is, 
Will Canada get an automatic berth as one of the host nations? We have seen two hosts, Japan and South Korea, get in at the same time, but never three. However, working in Canada's favor is the fact that the number of teams at the 2026 World Cup will jump from 32 to 48, meaning more teams from this part of the world. Uh, so right now, uh, out of the 48, CONCACAF will have six and a half spots. And, and if you win the bid, you get another half. So that means you get six teams directly into the World Cup, uh, uh, of which hopefully three will be the hosts. And then you get two half spots that will play in the playoff. So you could get eight CONCACAF teams potentially into the uh, 2026 World Cup. And that should ease any complaints by other countries by saying, hey, Canada is not that good. They shouldn't get an automatic berth. So mm-hmm. with more CONCACAF spots, Canada's chances are very good. Yeah. There you go. 2026. All right. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Thanks very much. Get your tickets now. <laughs> Let's check in with Jay Durant for a look ahead to Global News at 11. Jay? Thank you, Sophie. We'll have more on that train derailment in the Burrard Inlet. We're awaiting comment on the cause and whether it poses an environmental hazard. And a sign that online threats are being taken more seriously. A 15-year-old boy has been arrested after making threats against his Nanaimo school. We'll hear from the school about what happened and what led to the arrest. Those stories and much more coming up tonight at 11. All right. Thanks, J.D. All right, and coming up for us, a story about Surrey's 17-year-old Andrew Crawford that'll make you want to stand up and salute. That's next. Coming up on ET Canada, how Taylor Swift is fighting back after her new album's track list gets leaked online. Plus what Justin Bieber's pastor only told us about the singer reuniting with Selena Gomez. And love is in the air in Hollywood. Find out which stars just got engaged. That's coming up at 7, right after the news hour. Back to you, Chris and Sophie. Thank you, Sangeeta. Well, when thousands of people gather in Ottawa on Saturday for the country's largest Remembrance Day ceremonies, a 17-year-old Surrey teenager will be front and center. As Lynn Collier reports, he will be representing tens of thousands of air cadets across the country. A lot of your kids don't have poppies and are not wearing them right. You guys know how to wear them. Just make sure that they're in the right place and fix them as you go around, okay? Welcome to 767 Deerman Royal Canadian Air Cadet Squadron in Wally. It is troop inspection time. Shoes are polished, seams are pressed and straight. The most important detail, the poppy. We really want to stress to these cadets and to all cadets, wearing your poppy correctly, wearing your uniform correctly is of the utmost importance and we want to make sure that everybody's looking sharp. Squadron at 10! Shen! Warrant Officer 2nd Class Andrew Crawford is the chief of this squadron of 165 air cadets. He's only been a cadet for six years, but has just been named the 2017 Royal Canadian Legion Air Cadet of the Year. Squadron to the flags! Salute! An overwhelming sense of pride towards my country and, uh, you know, all the soldiers that have, you know, laid laid down their lives just to bring what we have today and the peace that we have in this country. Andrew will be in Ottawa at the War Memorial, representing the more than 52,000 air cadets in the country, standing shoulder to shoulder with the Governor General, Defence Minister and the Silver Cross Mother. And it's very um, uh, emotional to hear some of the stories of some of our veterans and meet some of the veterans, carry their stories forward so that we, we still have that respect. It really embodies all of my pride in the Air Cadet program. Uh, There's thousands of cadets out there and for me to be chosen as the one to represent all of them, uh, it means the world to me. Lynn Collier, Global News.
Very proud of him. And another reminder about our local Remembrance Day coverage. We're live Saturday morning from 1030 to 1130 from Victory Square. Hope you'll join us. Mm -hmm. Always working on dry weather. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of people still go out even if oh, it yeah. rains, but hopefully it'll be dry for them. Mm -hmm. The good news is that it'll be milder than it has been in the last little while, so you won't have to bundle up quite as much. But we do still have a chance of rain over the next 24 hours, everyone. All right. Thanks, Christy, and thank you for watching. Have a great night, everyone. We'll see you tomorrow. Night all.